0: This is the CIIS Public Programs Podcast, featuring talks and conversations recorded live by the Public Programs Department of California Institute of Integral Studies, a nonprofit university located in San Francisco on unceded Ramaytush Ohlone land. In this episode, self proclaimed queer, black, biracial glam beauty, Alex Locust joins writer, teacher, and creator of the Instagram account at Sitting Pretty, Rebecca Tasig, for a conversation about her book, also titled Sitting Pretty, as well as her life and her work. Disability affects all of us, directly or indirectly, at one point or another. Rebecca and Alex challenge us to work together to build a more inclusive world. This episode was recorded during a live online event on July 22nd, 2021. A transcript is available at CISpod.com. To find out more about CIS and public programs like this one, visit our website, CIS.edu, and connect with us on social media at CISPubPrograms.
1: Hi, Rebecca.
2: Hi, Alex.
1: <laughs> well, I am so excited to be in conversation with you tonight. I thought maybe before we get into the the juicy stuff, you know, uh, I I know sometimes when my heart's racing, kind of doing the easy bits first. Um, so I was thinking, I could invite you to um, share your personal pronouns if you're comfortable, um, help model some access. Features, right, so offering an audio description of like the beautiful landscape that you're you're, um, coming, you're zooming into us from, and then just naming any access needs that you might have so that um, tonight can be um, accessible for you.
2: Let's do it. Okay. So I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I am coming to you in my study. So there is a wall of books to my left and kind of stacking up and creeping along the walls. Um, we have an orange couch in the background and there's two cats kind of curled up in the corner over here, uh, and, and some more books and plants going on in the background. Uh, I'm a white woman, uh, wearing a red t-shirt with little eyeballs on it. Um, and I've got some, um, bangs and, uh, uh, pink headphones on, uh, not headphones, 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 yes. Um. And access needs, I I love that question, and I'm trying to think of what that would be tonight. Um, I'll j- just let you know that I'm um, I'm getting over a cold, and uh, it's not a COVID anything, but it is a, a cold that has um, me, sometimes I have a little bit of a cough, so I'll just warn us that I might have to pause for my hydration breaks, um, but that is where I'm at tonight. Alex, what about you?
1: Yeah, fabulous. Thank you. Uh my name is Alex. I use uh, he, she, they, I'm open to all pronouns um, in terms of an audio description for me. I'm reporting from my pink paradise, She's very pastel pink. I've got kind of a little camouflage moment going on. Um, long, uh, black, curly mane. I'm a light-skinned black biracial person. Got some, some nails, uh, glasses, mustache. Um, and access needs for me, I'm I'm in a cozy chair, I've got some pillows, I got my water, I'm all set. Um, I think I wanted to offer two quick things too and wanted to see if you wanted to add anything else just before we jump in. Um, I think in the, the beginning of your book, you offered this, right? But like, I think it's always helpful to name that disability is not a monolith, right? We're speaking from our personal experiences, we're not ambassadors um, in any regard. So I just like to kind of like couch that so that you can speak freely so that I can speak freely and people understand we're not, um, speaking universally. Um, and then I also wanted to invite you, you know, to just really feel free to like decline, reframe, pivot any questions that I ask.
2: Alex, I'm already loving this conversation with you so much. Um, yes, thank you for starting us off with that too, because I I feel that... I feel that with me every time I speak, every time I write, like I, I am completely talking from this tiny, narrow swath of my experience. And, um, and I think often, particularly um, with some unrepresented identities like disability that so often um, it can feel or like uh, we are speaking for so many people or as if our experiences are um, somehow blanket across. And and I know that mine are so particular um, and I'm I can really speak to those um, and, and I'll do my best to be specific with my particular experience. But that's kind of uh, what I can offer. So I, I love starting there. Thank you for that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think it provides that like freedom to really speak authentically without the pressure of like saying the right thing as you know this 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 representative um and so maybe with that right in the particulars i'm so excited to like get to know more of the particulars of you beyond just like loving um the book that you've written i'm curious if you want to like maybe just introduce yourself to the audience a little bit more um beyond your bio and your own words and then um just to give you if you have any like hope or intention for our conversation tonight
2: i love that okay all right so Beyond my bio. Um, yeah, I I wrote this book. Um, and then, like, all of this life happened afterwards. So I have this book out in the world that um, was born from, you know, a lifetime of very particular experiences. And uh, um, grew up disabled, paralyzed, used a wheelchair to get around from the time I was six. Um, but I, I didn't really have language to... Um, or community to really dig into or, or describe that experience or explore what that meant to me um, growing up. And so uh, I, I was in graduate school, as was like late 20s when I found disability studies as a framework and I found community and I found language. Um, and so the book is really um, born from that experience, right? Like a couple of decades <laughs> of living in this body uh, and not knowing quite what to make of it or how to think about it or what words to use to describe my experiences. Um, Feeling very alone um, in that experience. And then suddenly, um, well into my adulthood, kind of finding words and community and people that um, helped me begin to um, reflect on all of these memories and all of these stories I grew up hearing and, um, and and. um, re- and kind of rethink kind of my own story and um, who I was in the world and who I could be and um, and what all of this might mean um and so uh the book you know came out of that I went online to Instagram to begin doing some of that work and um and and capturing some of my experience with attempting to capture it with words in that tiny space um and the book evolved um from that, you know, when I sort of reached the edges of that space and kind of felt myself um, hampered and, um, and hemmed in by the 2000, I think it's like 2200 characters, um, <laughs> you know, not that I've had to like know that, um, but uh, as, yeah, so the book evolved and came about from that space and, uh, and then it was like uh, less than 24 hours after I submitted the final manuscript that I found out I was pregnant which was a really big surprise to me um, and uh, kind of changed things for me. And then uh, and then a week later, it was like the next Tuesday, we found out my partner had cancer. Um, and then, you know, all of us uh, kind of entered into a new world um, as COVID came um, to be a real thing. And we uh, responded to that. Um, and so I feel like so much has changed since the book came out too. And um I am living in that space very much right now. My son is, um, 14 months old now. And, uh, I feel like he's been intense and passionate and busy from, like, the second day he was alive. But, like, it's, like, every day is more of that. (laughs) I'm, like, I don't know where this is going. like, how much more intense and busy can we get? I'm not sure. Um, he's, he's a lot and a lot, a lot of, a lot of, uh good and funny and uh, time-consuming and exhausting and all of that. Um, Also, uh, I feel like I threw out my husband's diagnosis, my partner Micah's diagnosis of cancer, and I also would like to say that he is doing well. Um, He just, uh, this week, marked his uh, one and a half years of uh, scans and blood work coming back showing no detection of cancer. So I also would like to mention that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a little bit about me beyond the bio, (laughs) um, (laughs) to, to kind of color in and add some shading to that. Um, yeah, life feels very different for me right now than it did when I was writing the book. Um, and, and I, uh, I feel like in some ways I'm sort of back at the beginning of like, uh, searching for language again. But, um, yeah, that's a bit about, that's a bit of where I am right now
1: yeah yeah I appreciate you i, I love you saying you adding some color, some texture, right some richness beyond the bio and i you touched on a lot of things that you know i've I've got some questions that I'll kind of be pulling from, but i I really wanna something that resonated with me and what you shared in there was kind of that grad school experience you know i I was born with a disability you know i I'm in like a grad uh, counseling program i'm like twenty four and I learned about the the five oh four protests. And like, had not heard about this like (laughs) historic sit in that disabled people, you know, facilitated and manifested. And um, I just wonder, you know, you're talking about now feeling like you're kind of searching for language again, or it feels like that cycle might be starting over for you. And I'm just curious, like, what was that feeling like when you found that language, when you found that community, when it was just kind of like uh, that? Uh aha, right? But it's probably a lot more than just an uh aha in that moment for you in grad school.
2: Yes. And I like, I want to hear more about what that's been like for you. Um, Because I like, I got goosebumps listening to you talk about that, just remembering that moment. I mean, I, I wrote about this a little bit in the book, but I distinctly remember the very first piece of disability studies, like, literature that i read i was like in my subsidized apartment on the ground floor in my like really <laughs> uh uh tacky <laughs> velvet green chair yes. um and i was like so burnt out on grad school like i don't know how that's been for you but just like just exhausted by the relentless labor of of a lot of it trying to prove myself every day you know like trying to prove that I belonged there, um, trying to prove that I knew everything, right? Because that makes sense as a student, the student, uh, trying to, you know, like uh, scramble to pretend like I got every reference, uh, like literary uh, reference and scholarship reference and just exhausted by the whole thing. And I like I had told my therapist uh, like that day that I was going to quit graduate school. I was going to be done. I was going to do something else. Oh, uh, I was also really tired of of being really poor. I'd been poor for a long time. Uh, you don't make a lot of money as a graduate student. Um, and so I was just like tired of scrambling to pay for things. Uh, I was just exhausted by the whole thing. And it didn't feel like what I was putting into it was becoming anything that meant something to me. And um, I, a friend of mine just sent me this article by Leonard Davis. Um, and it wasn't anything we were reading in the class. Uh, he just thought maybe it'd be interesting to me. And, uh, the title of it was something like disability, the missing term in the, uh, race class gender triad, I think, something like that. And I'd never even seen disability in the title of a a piece of scholarship. Like just even like seeing that word in a space that wasn't medical, it was like the validation that this was like something worth thinking about um, was even just that was really jarring to me. And then just going on and, and reading like for the first time ever looking at the social construction of the idea of disability and the notion of normal and like tracing that back like into the lexicon of like, when did this word as we know it appear? Um, and what is the context of that? And I had never, ever even considered that as a way of, of, I'd I, I never even thought about the history of how these things would come to be arranged. And so, um, yeah, I, I as I sat in my chair and just read that article, it felt like, I think the way I've described it, and it sounds dramatic, but it feels very true, is it felt like the physics of the universe were shifting around me. Like, like this is a different world than I thought it was. And there's something about this that makes so much more sense to me. Um, like these suspicions that I had, there there's a way that we can trace them and like there are, are words we can use to piece this together where the 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 experience I thought I was having, but maybe, um, was the only one who saw it that way, you know, like there are other people, other, and, and even just hearing the, in that article, I remember there were just like these tiny snippets describing stories of people with disabilities. Um, and just like the humanness of those stories and like the recognition I found in that. So that was that one article, right? <laughs> like one article and my, I'm, I'm like changing as a person. Um, okay. And then and then it was uh, the next wave of that. So I like started reading everything. Uh, I like, I feel like another wave, of, like Alison Kafer was someone for me reading Alison Kafer uh, was another wave of like, oh, oh, there's, you know, there's like, there's, so much here and I'm seeing things differently. Everything I look at feels different. And then I think the next wave of that was finding people like online um, and reading their very human stories, reading them wrestle with ideas and and kind of the contradiction of experience of like Um, what does, what does disability pride mean and how does that show up for me? And how, you know, like these, um, these things that felt so tender and personal to me and seeing other people, like the recognition of seeing other people, um, also thinking about that and, um, seeing different ways that they were processing that, like different from me. And, um, yeah, it just, it changed, it absolutely changed the way it felt to be here on earth so i i don't but that it sounds dramatic but i wonder if i wonder if you recognize any of that or how that's been for you
1: yeah absolutely i mean first of all as a leo i'm very into drama so (laughs) okay we're on the same page you're you're speaking to the right the right person Um, (laughs) thought maybe i mean even the way you're describing it right now i've never thought about it this way but it sounds so much like you know in like whether it's like Uh, a horror movie or a thriller or like something where the whole movie they've been planting easter eggs that like at the end and then they play that montage where they like piece it all together and they're like see the the killer was here the whole time you know and it's like ableism was here (laughs) the whole time but we had no idea that that's what it was and it's just this like insidious specter that like lurks and creeps and undermines and like eats away at. But if you don't know its name, you can't banish it. You know, you can't exercise it um, out. And so, yeah, I feel like I hear that in, in your story. I know for me, I was it was like first semester of this grad program, I had been working in um, a psych research lab around chronic illness and disability. So I was already seeing how psychology and research could like benefit and support disabled communities, which is like wholly different than all of my experiences with like the medical industrial complex um, prior to that. Uh, and yeah, just sitting in that class and watching that video, um, about the 504 protest, seeing Judy human, um, you know, just like shouting at that, uh, you know, elected official and being like, don't tell me, you know, that, you know, how we feel. And I just like, I'm like crying in class. I was like, I don't cry in academia. Like that's not a thing. And it definitely felt like a, um, Uh, I would describe it as like that kind of like that lightning strike or like a bell that just can't be unrung. Like it felt like as close to like a calling of like, okay, wow, I'm following in the lineage of these champions, right? And I didn't know about them. I still know very little about them, but they feel like, you know, ancestors, they feel like um, people that I owe so much too right and it felt like there was literally no turning back like i couldn't un unlearn that that history exists and to like um do anything other than situate myself as like a next generation of people committing to that cause felt like it's like that i can't <laughs> there's nothing else like like i love you describing like the 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 physics of my universe like my body chemistry just, all like oriented to be like well, disability justice like that's it you know. Um, I similarly with sins invalid seeing them perform, seeing like queer, black and brown artists, uh, disabled artists like perform around sexuality and this I was like, just, totally yeah, rocked my world.
0: Oh,
2: it's so good. <laughs> I love that. I love. I, I'm like. I'm like. <clears throat> Trying not to just like shout while you're talking, um, because I I use some like um, praise hands uh, to that <laughs> moment. I I feel it too, um, and I I uh, I'm like I'm so eager. It's like this thing that I want to like. Uh, I want everyone in on you, right? Like like be a part of this, feel this, um, know this, have these words, because um, I I. I went so long without knowing, right? Like, I'm just picturing both of us growing up as like little six-year-olds and 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds of just like not having that. And I'm so hopeful for um, for that next generation. Totally. Um,
1: yeah, and, it, you know, I mean, reading your book, I just like, I, I felt that kinship with, you know, your, your like tender... You know, precious self with the the you know the the scabby knees and all the bruises, right? Like I was tripping all over the place. Like I, I felt that, and you know, I feel I felt the way you described that sense of like isolation and loneliness and otherness um, with an experience that is so normal, you know. And and so now to see you as an adult and like healing, right, in in that way and I, um, through like fostering community, cultivating community. I'm just, I'm curious, like, how that feels for you to be in community with other disabled people. You know, like, we even just, like, prepping a little bit, we were so excited to, like, we're two disabled people in conversation, right? And it's not, like, the one disabled character in a movie. So, yeah, what does disability community mean to you? How does that feel to be in connection with other disabled folks?
2: I I feel like we could talk about just this for the rest of the night. I, I don't, I mean, like, There's just been so many waves of um, transformation, like community, I feel like has transformed me or like, um, or has just kind of swaddled me in that healing that you described. Um, I think, I think like to give one example or one picture of that. um, So I was still in graduate school, I'd found like the literature and I'd like just began to sort of connect with a couple of people online. But that was kind of it for my experience of, of finding um, that history, uh, knowing that I was a part of something. Um, and so I, I, uh, I went to this symposium, the University of Michigan, um, and it was just for disabled creators. And it was just like maybe, I think it was maybe like 20 people And, um, it was the first time, um, that I was in a space like that, where I was in, in a real life space, um, something, you know, we don't have a ton of these days anymore, but at the time, right, 2015, I think it was, um, we're all in this, this space together, all these disabled creators. And, um, and at the beginning of the week, um, we would do these. Uh, we would do these. I can't remember what they were called. I'm sure there's a term for them, but there. It was like a, um, like intuitive movement. I think, right. And so we'd just be in this space, and it was just kind of about moving your body however you're comfortable. Uh, I think there was sort of like a rhythm or a beat in the background, and we just sort of like came into our bodies, felt present with our bodies. Um, and allowed them to move in whatever way was comfortable and felt good. And, and at the beginning of the week, I was so uncomfortable. Um, and I remember, I think like for one of the days, I just like, I just like went into the corner and like, basically was just like in the fetal position. And I was like, this is what I, this is how my body, this is where I'm at right now. Um, and I, I guess there was something sort of already happening in me that I felt even like comfortable to do that. Um. In itself, in, in itself, but as the week went on and I was just with these people and, and kind of like eating lunch with them and like doing whatever kind of creative workshop exercises we were doing and um, just like coexisting, it was like I think maybe the last day we were there that I realized um, that I was just crawling. Um, I was just like crawling around in that space uh, in a way that I hadn't since I was maybe five or six years old. Um, so when I, I guess maybe just to give a little bit of context to that moment, uh, I, 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 uh, I sort of, um, became paralyzed slowly around the age of three. Um, it was like cancer treatments that were cumulative and kind of slowly. Um, and so at that time, it wasn't like a jarring experience for me that I remember. I just sort of started moving my body differently. I would crawl around the house, crawl up the stairs, crawl down the stairs, you know, like face forward like as fast as I could, um, climb the kitchen cupboards, climb around the sidewalks. I had a little red trike I would ride around the neighborhood, um, hence the scabby knees. Um, so I was just sort of Comfortable moving, however, I I wanted. I didn't even get a wheelchair until I was in first grade. So there was this sort of this comfort space, uh, and then very early, I I started to realize that that was like not the way I was supposed to move my body, right? And I I I learned that uh, to sort of keep the disabled movements to a minimum, and um and 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 tried to move as much as I could the way that I was supposed to. I'm using all of these air quotes. Lots of air quotes. Right. Um, and so it had been probably at least two decades since I had crawled in front of anyone. And I and I didn't even realize I was doing it until I looked around with all these people who were also moving their bodies in the ways that, you know, made sense and um, and – were particular to their embodiment and um and it was like this wave of like recognizing how long it had been since i felt that comfortable um just like the relief of being able to feel comfortable in my body around people um it was kind of, it was it was beautiful and it was kind of heartbreaking Um, to feel like this, the long span of time that it had been. And I wonder if that resonates with you of the, of the, the unique comfort um, and the relief in my body that I feel when I'm in community with people um, who understand living in a disabled body um, or even disabled mind, right? Like um, the sort of wobbly. intersection of body and mind and um I I I feel like I felt that again recently in a very different way um and I just get I hope I'm not just rambling about this too much Alex I am no, yeah, yeah. I want to like I feel like the way to describe it is like in the specific moments and and another one that stood out to me uh it was last summer actually um Hannah Sawyer is a, is a um, disabled poet and uh, I connected with her and she also lives in, uh, went to school at the same university as I did, but at very different times. Um, but she uh, had this idea of running um, workshops, like creative writing workshops to like, just for disabled folks who wanted to write. And, um, and I've, I'm a teacher and I'm a writer. And so I've done tons of workshops, uh, but I'd never done a workshop with like just disabled writers and um and like within like i don't know 15 minutes of of the it was zoom right like we weren't even in the same space but like within 15 minutes of that of that space it was like oh something that feels magic i'm gonna like again here's my dramatic language alex i know you that you'll feel it with me um it felt like there were Sparkles in the room. Like it felt like there's something magical happening in just the feeling of being understood, of not having to. Like there's so much I feel like about being disabled in spaces that I don't know are unfamiliar or don't make space for that experience where um, I think I forget or I lose track of how much um, I'm expecting to have to explain myself or I'm expecting. Um, to be misunderstood. So, so familiar, um, so automatic. I think that I even, uh, I think that my my body is like primed for that. And I think that's why um, when I'm in these other spaces, it feels like a physical relief of like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to have like my armor up. I don't have to, in the same way. And I, I don't want to pretend like, like it's all utopic. Like as if there aren't ways that, you <laughs> yeah. know, like that can oh. be complicated, of course. Um, but I do think that there's something so unique about, about that understanding. Um, and, and that like really, to me, what feels like a really rare kind of recognition. Um, that feels like literally I feel different in my body. And there are sparkles in the room. Yeah. Um, I think that there's the term that I can't remember who coined it, but like crypt magic. Um, Can't remember who coined that term. Hannah uses that a lot. Hannah Sawyer. um, And she could tell you who coined it. But we started using that term a lot during the workshop. Like there's some crypt magic happening here. Um, But yeah, I mean, like for you, what, what, how Uh, has that felt to you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can, I can really relate to that. I'm hearing that, that release, right? That relief. It's like, you, you get to lower, you know, you get to take off your armor, you get to lower your mask, right. you get to kind of, um, feel that kinship, right. Um, that, that connection and what I find and I'm hearing this in, in what you're saying. And then, you know, also I'm curious, like, from part of your writing is like, it also allows, I think for, um, an opportunity to go deeper, faster, right? Or maybe not deeper, faster, but to explore the complexities of our identities in a way where like, if I'm interacting with someone that has no experience with disability, and I'm like, and I want to talk about our racial experiences, I feel like you're not going to understand that without me having to educate you about disability first, right? Or if I want to explore disability and queerness with another queer person and they're not, have lived experience with disability, then I feel like, a lot. I mean, we're kind of, we can talk about queerness, but it feels like maybe you're missing a lens that's really important, right? And so I feel like when you're in a space with disabled folks, if, in my experience, it feels like it doesn't, like you said, it also doesn't just like absolve things. I've been around disabled people who, who are harmful or who, um, have internalized ableism, you know, um, but there there's just that opportunity to be like, okay, if we are seeing each other, if we are connected in this way, um, there's this opportunity to uh, talk about queerness, to talk about womanhood, to talk about fatness, to talk about immigration status, like all of those kind of things in a way that feels rooted in a common, like language or like shared heart space. Um, I don't know
2: if that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Alex. I, um, that, that bit about like go deeper, faster, um, resonates with me for sure. I, I feel like, um, when I am talking with someone, even someone that I'm close with, that I love, right? Like even, even people and family members, um, I, I, um, I often do feel like I need to, there's like a a part of my experience as a disabled person that I have to um, like protect or defend or like I have, to, it's almost like I have to present the world as more than black and white than I feel like it is in order to not like, I don't know. Imply something that I don't want to, or um, even something as simple as uh, I guess I have disability pride on my on my mind a lot lately because I guess it's the month of July. I think that it. I think we're in it, um, uh, and and so that's a that's a complicated thing, um, and being able to talk about for me, I think the way that that's shown up is like even being able to talk about something like. Um, some of the loss or frustration of disability is a different conversation with people who don't live that. Um, because as soon as I open that door, I'm like afraid of what, where that's gonna go in your mind, or where you might take that. Or, um, but I feel like if we if we if we understand this as a whole life then we can explore that, the depth and complexity and contradiction of that with a little bit more freedom or ease. Um, and, and not, I don't have to be worried that you're going to, um, take that and, and like move, take it somewhere that I didn't intend. Right. Or like, or forget about the complexity or forget about the nuance or the 90 different turns of that. Um, and I, I, I think sometimes, um, I I can get in my head about that when I'm writing um and I I don't know who's going to be reading it and um I think that I I think that I think I was grateful to have the space of a whole book to do that um but even as even in a whole book um I know that there are people I've seen it in reviews you know like I know that there are people that um that pick that up and then, and then put it into a box that is smaller than I, I, I intended for it to be in or that I think it should be in. Um, so all that to say, yeah, I think that the ability to go deeper, faster really resonates with me, um, in my experience for sure.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned kind of what, like how people can misinterpret, like, your your storytelling, right? Your 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 writing. And you know, I, I love the little like asides of like you specifically, like I'm talking to you, you know. Um and I'm also really grateful for you as, you know, like a disabled white woman to be able to both um honor your experience. Like I didn't feel like you shut like this is your memoir, right? So you were telling your stories that didn't feel performative or like you were reaching to be like a savior or like speak in a way where you're like, I'm an expert in all of these different areas. And it also felt like you, you consistently came back to being like, and I recognize the power and privilege I hold here. I recognize ways that there are disabled people who are experiencing more marginalization than I am. And, you know, talking about how white disability studies can be or the whiteness of disability studies or interrogating white feminism, right. Of missing, uh, like an intersectional approach, and I'd love to just hear more about your journey to to kind of like celebrating intersectional like disability justice. Um, you know how is that? How has that been for you? How is that for other people where where you are kind of advocating for exploring beyond just like oh, we're just talking about disability here or, yeah,
2: yeah. I I I have to tell you, I'm so um glad to hear you describe your experience of my voice that way in the book. Um, Because I don't think there was a page that I wrote that I wasn't just like acutely aware of that, right? Like, I mean, almost like there were times when I was like, I can't even write this book because like, who am I? like? you said, I'm a a white woman, I'm straight, I'm cis, I'm thin, I'm like all of these privileges that are uh, tangled up in my entire experience in ways that I, um, it's like I'm aware of them and I'm also aware of all that I'm not aware of, you know? So like how do I even say anything um, about disability, this, as we've established, like this giant, sprawling, complicated, um, I don't like experience even feels like too trite of a word to describe or small of a word to describe what disability is, speaking to that experience. Um, so I was thinking about that in almost every page that I wrote. So it means a lot to me to know that you heard that in my attempt to acknowledge that as much as I could. Um, And, you know, like, and so I'm I'm aware of it to a certain extent in the book. And then I read uh, Kia Brown's book, The Pretty One, uh, I think like a couple of months after my book came out, which is a beautiful book and everyone should read it. It's funny. It's poignant. It's like full of pop culture. Uh, It's so fun and smart. Um, But I got to this chapter in her book. That is all about media representation, and I have a chapter in my book that's all about media representation. Uh, And Kia is a a black woman with cerebral palsy uh, who um, is ambulatory. Like she, I think she uses crutches, but she uh, doesn't use a wheelchair. So, like this very, you know, like this. uh, There's this way that I recognize so much of myself in her experience, and then there's this way that I. It's so different than mine, and uh, and I'm reading her chapter on on media representation, and. I it is like opening this whole new door for me and thinking about her experience um, as a, a a black disabled girl and the different ways that me I mean like the ways that different media are hitting us I I um I think there's even a, a specific show that we both talk about and the different ways that different things that we see there and and the extra layer of what she doesn't see there, um, represented back to her was like, I had completely missed it. And, um, I don't know. I, I just bring, I guess I just bring that up to say that, um, even being aware of that, there's also still so much I know. I'm sure that the next book I read will also, you know, point out to me like, oh, there's just so much here. Um, and there's so much more to look at and consider, and um, and so I, I um, I'm ho- I'm hoping to continue to understand more and recognize more. I think another one that has really hit me recently is um, is reading about um, uh, disabled women talking, uh, like fat disabled women talking about their experience in medical spaces, and and you know I um, I feel like I have my own set of what I would call like medical traumas um and in, in in that space and then to like go back and think about all of those memories through the lens of like also being a thin disabled woman and just like having that hit me in different ways and seeing seeing how that has been a part of my experience um and also I mean I think another part of it another wave um. I'm just like vomiting to you all of the different like intersections that like I each wave, you know, is like a new one that I'm realizing has shaped my experience. Um, It's just the fact that I am not only visibly disabled, but um, I think, you know, a wheelchair is even like the symbol of disability, Mm. right? Like when people think of accessibility there's the like that blue icon with the wheel on it right and and i know that even that even just being a wheelchair user i don't know i don't know how much i would call that a privilege but just like this particular intersection of experience um is is unique and i um i think that i will continue to unspool that for as long as i'm alive um, and like recognizing that, but I think what I came to in the end through the process of like writing this book, and 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 knowing, I, like that's why I love the way that you started us off tonight, Alex, because like knowing there is no possible way for me to be able to not only represent disability um, as a giant category, <laughs> you know, yes. like how whatever, D, disability. right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even like, I knew that I was going to be missing things and there were, I like, I could point to as much as I could point to, but I knew that I would want to go back and add things, you know, like a month later or a year later. And so I think, and that's humbling, you know, like that's like, there is like almost this way of saying like, I know that I'm not going to win at this thing that I want to win at, you know, like this thing that I want to be able to do, I'm not gonna be able to do it. So I think, um, I think what was important for me in the process of writing that book, and a lot of it comes, I think a lot of that came together for me in my thinking when I was writing the chapter on feminist pool party and like that, just even just the intersection of womanhood and disability um, was that like the, the maybe the best thing I could do um, in addition to acknowledging and trying to point out as much as I could out away from just my experience was just provide the most specific vivid capture of the very specific set of intersections that I embody. Um, so that that experience was as full and as rich and precise and vivid for anyone that would pick up the book so that, that there would at least be the experience of entering very deeply, um, into one very specific story. Um, and I think that that is something that I can do, could do. And so I did try to be able to at least do that. Um, and then say, now go read another, you know, like now go read, you know, something different than this. Um, and, and hopefully one that uh, like offers a different way of thinking about it. But the point is, you know, like more, more stories, more voices, um, and yeah, I, it, it was, it was definitely, uh, that is definitely something that I, um, is with me. And I, I hope that I'm growing in my ability to, to point to more voices and bring in the, um, perspective of, of different intersectionalities of this experience because <laughs> this is what I've got. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I, I just i'm so grateful that you you expanded upon that for for yourself and and you're just being so you know vulnerable in that process i I, I think in a in a, a moment of candor like I, I was sharing with my roommate how like I just your book just like the the you know I use the word texture and I, I feel like it just you speak to the um the nuances and all these like little moments that I so related to and just like naming, like I, you know, judging a book from a cover, right. I'm like, we are different. Right. And I'm like, what am I, how am I going to relate to you as like a cis, straight white woman? And I think I was really surprised how much um, commonality there was. And I felt really seen. And I also feel like what you, you did and what I, I, I desire from, from white people, from white women, right? Where I feel like we see these cases publicly of harm, right? Where white women vote for Trump, right? White women, you know, assault black people, right? I don't know if you've ever read um, When White Women Cry, uh, White Women's Tears Oppressing Women of Color. It's like a really great uh, essay. But um, yes, to see you name all of these intersectional um, facets of disability. And then in that feminist pool party, like that conversation with your friend talking about like, you've been handed this microphone, right? And who can you bring with you? It's like, that's that's what we need from white people, right? Is to not bathe in that like guilt or the like shame of having privilege. It's like, okay, you have the privilege to like, tell a very beautiful story, share your memoir and then who are you bringing along? Like, who are you lifting while you climb? How's How are you extending your platform? And so I just, I think that's really exciting to see you lift up Amani and Kia and Alice, right? And all of these people that are doing similar work in different ways and offering more marginalized perspectives. Um, I think you said something towards the end, that I also wanted to, to make sure that we had time to talk about too within that is you mentioned disability and womanhood and as as a cis man, right? That's not my experience. And I'd love to hear where you're at. You know, you mentioned being a new mom, right? Like that's a different part of the story that's not in the, the memoir. So where are you at in that journey right now?
2: Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, I, yeah, good question. <laughs> you know, I was just, I was just saying uh, to Micah, my partner Micah recently, there's that part in the book where, so when I when I wrote the book and anyone who reads it or will read it, um, I'm really candid about not being a mom when I in the book um, and like, um, and and that I don't know if I'll ever be a mom and I talk about like what it's like to be around um, women who are moms and to feel very outside of that and um, when I became pregnant and then had Otto, our baby, um, I, I think that I sort of expected that some of that would be alleviated. I, th- I, don't, I, th- I think I sort of thought like, how, I don't know. I never said this to myself, but I think there was a part of my brain that was like, maybe I will belong more to this club. And it was like yesterday where I said to Mike, I was like, I think being a disabled mom in some ways, makes me feel even more distant from this, like, I don't know, imaginary, uh, I think it is largely imaginary, but, like, very real, um, uh, which is a funny contradiction, this imaginary, very real, um, like, space of, of womanhood, like, certified, verified, like, um, womanhood and motherhood, um, like, what, what we care about as mothers, what we worry about as mothers. I'm doing a lot of air quotes again. Um, like, what it means to be a mother, um, I feel very outside of that as a disabled mom. And I think when we were talking earlier about, like, when I'm where I'm still searching for language and kind of feeling like I'm at square one again it is very much about being a disabled mom. Um, it has been... Uh, oh, it has been... Um, so hard, Alex, um, to adjust to being a mom. Uh, and I, I feel like, um, I am in some ways I have been thrown like right back at square one with a lot of things, um, that I thought that I'd worked out for myself as just a disabled woman. And suddenly, uh, I, it's like i didn't learn anything it's like i didn't you know like i feel like i'm thrown back into this space of of like um well i think a lot of internalized ableism is coming up i think that that's how we would describe it um in these very simple moments uh like it happened started happening very early like um i again like day 2 of otto's life um he he just cried all the time. Uh, he was just one of those babies that, uh, was in a perpetual state of suffering. And, um, and Micah, my partner was like the only one who could soothe him. Right. And so there's so much happening here where I'm like, well, I'm the mom, you know, like what's wrong with me as a mother, if I can't soothe my baby. And also he would soothe him by bouncing and pacing around the house, which I could not do. And so there's also like all of this stuff about like, um, insufficiency as a parent, just as the disabled one. And, um, and can I even be a parent to this baby if I can't soothe him and my, I literally can't do the things that he needs me to do. And also side note, why is my baby ableist? Like, what is that? I thought that he would, you know, like I thought he would know that I'm his mom and that I am the one, you know, anyways. Um, so that was like day two and there's been different iterations of that that have continued, um, in my dynamic with Otto. And I think that ultimately like a couple of months ago, uh, I came to this place of like, I don't even want to think of myself as his mom. I need for right now, I like, and I need to, like, get rid of that language and that framework and that term. I We're starting from square one, kid. Like, I'm this person with you who is going to be with you for the long haul. And who are we to each other? And, and where are we in this moment right now? Right? And, like, so I think one of those mornings when I was in that space, um, we were outside and he had found like these dried, crumpled leaves in the backyard. And I was—I just like picked one of them up by its dry little stem. And I was just like trying to show him how to twirl it. And I was like, this is where we're at right now. Like you and me, here's a leaf. Look at this. Isn't this amazing? (laughs) And he started to do it. He started to twirl this little leaf. And in this moment, I was like, oh, okay. Like, we can, we can do this together. Like, we can be together. And so, I don't know, that's a very roundabout way to say um, in that intersection intersection of, of disability and womanhood. Uh, I think that this is a gnarly one for me. Uh, and and I, I by no means thought that I had figured it out or sorted it in that chapter in the book. But I think I thought I'd gotten at least a little bit of a grip on it. It was one of the hardest chapters for me to write. As I think I'm candid about in the chapter, like it was, it was very tangled and wobbly for me, and I think that becoming a mom has only affirmed to me um, that that is a that is a sticky spot for me. I think I I grew up in a time in a space where the role of mother. And like the expect, and like tied to womanhood that womanhood is motherhood in some ways. I think that that was sort of how the 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 narrative that was ingrained in me from before I even had memories. Um, I mean, like there are videos of me from 1988, grainy VHS videos of me like nursing my baby dolls. Like this was just like this thing, and so it's really, uh, it's, it's a fraught space for me. Um, it's continued to be fraught, but I, I feel like I'm hopefully that at the very least I'm like learning to breathe through it and ride the waves and, and Otto and I can find our own, create our own subversive, you know, like space together. So, uh, yeah, I'm still searching for words though. I'm still, you know, like yeah. I'm, <sighs> I'm, 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 I'm going to forever be working this one out, I think, but, yeah. um, that's where we're at.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is, you know, I'm, as I, as I mentioned earlier, like, uh, my, my soup is like disability and queerness. And I almost hear this really, I, I feel like they go, you know, hand in hand, crutch and crutch, right. Around like, you're talking about like, Issuing a label, right? You're moving away from like, I am a mom, which behind that contains all of what that means. And more of like, we are connected. I love you. I care for you. I am, you know, and I feel like that's almost like a very queer approach, right? Which helps to alleviate you of all these expectations and pressures and um, sounds like also just like triggers, right? And trauma around Um, pressure for your body to act a certain way, ways that we erase the complexities of motherhood. Um, And so I just love hearing that frame. I've never heard somebody kind of frame it in that way where it's just like, this isn't about a label. It's about like this is, you know, I just care for this, you know, tiny nugget who like wants to (laughs) spin leaves with me, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. See, Alex, this is us doing the like going deep fast thing. Like the recognition. I feel like The way that you see that and understand that is really means a lot to me. So um, because I feel like I'm really scrambling for ways to describe it. So the fact that you get that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. No, absolutely. And to to the like generative power of disability, right? Like I'm hearing you process something that has offered you a new way of connecting to your child that I think would benefit anybody right like disability I think it's so woven throughout your your memoir is like disability is a generative force it's it's magic it's additive it's um it's not inherently negative and so I think about queer friends who really struggle with fraught relationships with their biological parents right you're my mom you're my dad you do not treat me like a mother or a father right um straight people in my life right dealing with racist family members, right? We are, you are my aunt, you're my uncle, and I'm feeling really ashamed, right? Of how we're related, right? And so even just focusing more on like the value and the the depth of connection seems like such a a subversion of like, you are this, so that means you act this way. Cause it's very clear nobody fits into those boxes in the same way, if at all.
2: Right, right. This is so funny that we, like, keep scrambling for them and, like, looking for them and trying to fit in them when it's so punishing. Um, it's so punishing to us. But, yeah, that's what we're doing for now. I mean, and that's sort of um, how we've been surviving. Um, although he did just start saying mama. So.
1: <laughs> You're like, I'm back in. Like, 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 what do
2: we do with that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, totally mm. well we just get the the five minute reminder and I I really wanted to make sure that I could ask you uh this question I have so many that I didn't get to ask but um you know we we talked about uh you know the preciousness of like your younger self um you know and like how isolating and and challenging it was and lonely um at that time and um you know, in, in therapy now, I'm working through, like, the idea of kind of that, like, queer, crip time travel, right? Like, the healing I'm doing now is healing my younger self. Um, and so I wonder for you, is there anything that you would like to offer your younger self? You know, if she was tuning into this, um, yeah, what would you want her to hear? Or what would you want to, to say to her in this moment of sharing your story, your memoir with, with this audience?
2: Oh, Alex, now I'm like feeling mushy and soft and like a little bit. Okay, um, I'm thinking of her um, uh, in her hot pink wheelchair um, covered in smiley face stickers um that like immediately started peeling <laughs> and looked really janky um what would i say to her i think um oh, i think i would say um like you have it right there like you have all of it right there with you in you um like hold on to that lean into that sink into that um because I, I think the impulse is so much to say, like, ah, oh, I need to, like, go over there and, and buy that thing and, like, put it on my face and, like, put the clothes over, you know, like, obscure and hide and, and contort and change. And and I, I I just see her having everything she needs, uh, more than she needs, like, right within herself. Um, and I I know that where she's headed. Um, I could see that part too, right? Like, um, and I just, I would just say, um, you don't need any of that. You don't need any of it. Um, sit, sit here with yourself, be with yourself, feel your body, um, listen to your body, um, and, and you've got it all. You've got it all right there. I don't even know if that makes sense to anyone else, but that's what I would say to her.
1: <laughs> it makes sense to me. It feels like that, you know, disability justice principle of wholeness. You know, you've got everything you need. Your body isn't missing any. Your body mind um, isn't missing anything. And yeah, I, I love that as a as a message. So I appreciate you sharing that.
2: Thank you for asking that.
1: Yeah, of course. And I'll just close with uh, a Patty Byrne quote because Patty is like just a patron saint a beacon for me. She, um, in Skin, Tooth and Bone, um, kind of a disability justice primer, she says, all bodies are unique and essential. All bodies are whole. All bodies have strengths and needs that must be met. We are powerful, not despite the complexities of our bodies, but because of them we move together with no body left behind. This is disability justice. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Rebecca, this was so, so beautiful. Thank you so much for, for sharing the space with me tonight. Mm, thank
2: you. I, I um, dare I say there are sparkles in the room. Like, <laughs> thank you so much. This I, is my this <laughs> this has been such such a joy for me and um i'm gonna i am going to i am just gonna love continuing to follow you and and uh seeing what you're up to in the world and i i, I hope we get to connect many times more in the future because this me. is just such a joy
1: yes me too glam and sitting pretty it's got it, it rhymes there's a ring to it you know we're bringing it so it fits. yes thank you for your book thank you for your writing thank you for all of the community building that you're doing. And yeah, I can't wait to see, see what's next for you as well.
0: Thank you for listening to the CIIS Public Programs Podcast. Our talks and conversations are presented live in San Francisco, California. We recognize that our university's building in San Francisco occupies traditional, unceded Ramaytush Ohlone lands. If you are interested in learning more about Native lands, languages, and territories, the website native-land.ca is a helpful resource for you to learn about and acknowledge the Indigenous land where you live. Podcast production is supervised by Kirsten Van Cleef at CIIS Public Programs. Audio production is supervised by Lyle Barrere at Desired Effect. The CIIS Public Programs team includes Kyle DiMedio, Alex Elliott, Emlyn Guinea, Jason MacArthur, and Patty Fort. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe wherever you find podcasts, visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Program. CIIS Public Programs commits to use our in-person and online platforms to uplift the stories and teachings of Black, Indigenous, and other people of color, those in the LGBTQIA community, and all of those whose lives emerge from the intersections of multiple identities.